Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of Gaming Fix on this October 13th, 2018. I'm your host, Andre Cole, aka Spiderfan2069. Uh, that will be my new PSN name. Alex, what will be your new PSN name? I think it will be 69 spelled out. So S-I-X-T-Y-N-I-N-E, 420. And what about, are you going to throw some X's in there? Like E-X, E-X? Yeah. <laughs> Is this even a question? Of course. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, Pat, how about you? My new PSN name is Sam from Gaming Fix's full legal name. Ooh. Is it is it that spelled out? Yes, or no, it's that spelled out. It's not actually his full legal legal name. Okay. I'm not gonna dox him. And social security number, it's just his it's you're actually just gonna dox him in your PSN. No, I'm name. gonna put the my real name in as his social security number. So when I get real name requests and if if I accept it, then it's his social security number. But also do they have social security numbers in the UK? Uh, they probably have some sort I, of tax payer identification number. I would assume. I, I don't think they have anything called social security there. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, Speaking of dachshunds, I've been looking at dachshunds online. Man, those dogs are so cute. Uh, yeah, I don't like small dogs. Are you a big dog I, fan? Like a Malamute? Yeah. yeah, like fuck me up with those dogs. I want, I want I, a dog that can eat me. Like a, I didn't think I would like, I didn't think I liked small dogs. And then I like started living with a small dog and they're actually pretty awesome. Yeah. I lived with a Westie for two years and those things are great. They're so, it was so sweet. But my other, my friend has a Newfie and those things are just bears. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a, that's definitely a great dog. I have a friend who had a Leon burger and they affectionately are referred to as lean on burgers because they are giant and they like to lean on people don't know what a leon burger is it's like think a golden retriever but bigger and shaggier that sounds amazing like same same personality kind of yeah just a big like dumb dog and then it's just like (laughs) i want affection and then it leans on you while it's standing and you're just like oh god that sounds perfect did you just get swatted by a cat <laughs> not on purpose i was maneuvering him and his arm hit me in the face while i was doing it uh, he's like stop talking about dogs <laughs> he's like rolling around on my on my lap trying to bite me and stuff and i don't really he needs to chill out mm. well speaking of chilling out that's what sam is doing but i believe he is going to join us in the future at some point yeah we'll um, see but you know we're just having a chill podcast here today uh so i don't know you got we got any games to talk about alex yeah i got a bunch of games and oh, okay uh that's not got, very chill of you you just make this <laughs> i've got three games and they're all super hella chill they're okay. blur baby so uh two of them you guys have played <laughs> uh that's horizon and blobs and we'll talk about those but there's one i don't think any of you have played and that is a little video game that you play on your telephone, and it is called Piffle. No, haven't played that. Can confirm. I, I made that game. You made it? Wow. <laughs> so I didn't know yeah. you also made Crossy Road, because it's from Hipster Whale, the makers of Crossy Road. I, I, I did make Crossy Road. Oh, I knew it. 
Always knew it. So do you make yeah. the arcade version of Crossy Road? Uh, no, I outsource that to John okay. Vignocchi. Hmm. How about that, like, uh, whatever, the Pac-Man version of Crossy Road? Uh, yep. Yeah, that was me, too. Nice. What about Shooty Skies? <laughs> yep. Yeah. You're very prolific. Well done. I never knew. Yep. All while studying for Japanese language exams. Um, uh, yep. yep. So it is... Um, here, stop me if you've heard this one before. It's a free-to-play mobile game. And no, yep, no, I've heard this one before. <laughs> uh, okay, next game. Yeah, it's that's all you need to know. But it is uh I forget the name of the game Erica brought, but it's almost exactly the same in terms of you have like a number of balls in your in your pool and then you're shooting them at a bunch of blocks that have numbers on them. So like mm-hmm. this block has five hits to be broken and you have three balls so you have to bounce it in order to break them. Mm-hmm. So I forget what that game was called, but it's basically that. But mm-hmm. here here's here's the differentiator. You play as a cat in a cat onesie. Mm. Like, okay, wait, is this like a onesie with cats on it or a onesie that looks like a cat? A cat, a onesie that looks like a cat. So it's got like cat ears in the onesie and everything. Is, is it a different, different kind of cat? I don't know. <laughs> are you like, wait, what? So are you playing like a tabby and you're in like a tuxedo onesie or something? He's a very generic orange cat. And then his, okay. oh. I, I think his onesie you can actually change, but by default, it's just like this white, white onesie. So, so are you saying this is a Garfield game? Yes. Plays an orange cat. I'm saying it's like it's the little... nightmare Garfield where it's like Garfield that looks like a giant spider. Oh. Except so where not. do I... What is this game called again? Piffle. P-I-F-F-L-E. And P-I-F-F-L-E. Okay. Yeah. And it honestly, it's pretty good. Um, it's got lots of like power-ups and it's got lots of uh, different block types. Like it has ice ones that kind of slide around and then like they'll bounce into each other and stuff like that. Um, it has pinatas that will, once you break them, they will turn into a random block type, which can either help you or hinder you. Uh, Sometimes they'll turn into like multiple ice blocks or multiple regular blocks, or it'll turn to power ups that you can just use, which, you know, it's kind of cool. And it does, it does seem entirely random because I played the same level twice and didn't get the same thing both times. This game is the most weirdly SEO'd. You cannot find it unless you search piffle game on Google. (laughs) If you search piffle, it does not show up. It just came out within the past 24 hours, I think. Maybe the past 48 hours. I was gonna say it didn't. It's not even on Hipster Whale's Wikipedia page that they worked on it. Like yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and very, 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 very recent. None of the screenshots on the store page. Oh boy, it's loud. And none of the screenshots on the store page actually show what the game looks like either. Really? If you watch the trailer, it does. The trailer shows it, but yeah, that's fantastic. But yeah, no, um, not much to say about it. It's pretty. It's not super deep. The free to playness of it hasn't been a problem yet. Uh, it's not energy based. It's just kind of performance based. So if you die enough times, you can be like, eh, do you want extra life right now? Or can you can wait for it? Like, yeah, it looks pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I, I have basically no complaints about it. It's fun. It's cute. Uh, I'll probably keep playing it every now and again, like one round, one or two rounds every now and again. But yeah, it doesn't we don't need to talk about it that much. Just cute little game. Cool. So I will check that out. Yeah. The other two I've been playing are Blops and Horizon. So what one do you guys want to talk about? It's up to you. I, I imagine 
Pat has things to talk about with blops as well. So yeah, I could talk about both of them. I probably have more thoughts about blops right now, just because we've talked more about Horizon overall. Sure. But yeah, well, let's let's knock Horizon out then, because that's something all three of us have played, and yeah. I've just recently gotten into it. Uh, you know, that game's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I similar to Andre, I've run into a few technical difficulties getting it up and running on the PC. I had, did you ever set CPU priority to high? I did, and it actually fixed it. Uh, <laughs> it fixed one of the issues. The other issue was really uh, weird. Uh, it was the audio one I mentioned in our chat, but basically the cutscenes had audio, but the game itself had no audio. And the way to fix it was to go into the system level volume or device properties for sound stuff, and then mm. say, uh, right-click on this thing that plays my audio, my speakers, and then go to the Enhancements tab and click off Disable All Enhancements. You don't have to turn on any enhancements. You just have to click that toggle, and then it works. Yeah, I I didn't have any of those kind of problems when I started it, but I've heard that that's not... I haven't had any problems on, on uh, the Xbox One X either. Like, I've heard people saying that the load times are really long or something. Uh, and then also some other technical issues with it there and i have not seen any technical issues with it anywhere it would make sense to me on pc that we're not all seeing the same thing because everyone's setups are different but i think it's weird that people are having issues on xbox one x because i haven't seen a single problem yeah but yeah those technical difficulties were super minor and really Mm -hmm. easy to fix so i'm not too worried about it uh more more importantly that game yeah that game's great um i'm not super deep in i'm in autumn uh I recently had the thing where you finish the first, I don't know, series of events for the first mm-hmm. hour or whatever it is. Then they just hand you like 10 events all at once. And, but mm-hmm. then it moves the map around and you're like, Oh God, this map is actually enormous. Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. <laughs> it starts to feel pretty, I think it's pretty perfectly sized. Um, it definitely felt big at first, but now that I've done most of the stuff on it, it, I feel like I can get from point A to point E pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time. I was doing the we- part of the weekly challenge yesterday. I still have like, I got halfway to the final thing, like the 7 million skill points or whatever. Um, but I was just driving around collecting like all the bonus boards, but I've still got like 70 left and I only know where one of them is. Yeah, I don't have many bonus boards. I've done all of the road, dirt, and cross-country races, including the final ones. I still need to do the street races. Um, and then after the street races are done, all I have are like the speed cameras and zones and bonus boards because I've done all the story mm-hmm. story stuff too. Um, yeah. But uh, I still foresee playing that game a lot. I want to at least do the next couple of weeklies. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, once the first, I also played some of the multiplayer. I don't like the way it's structured, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. how deep I'll go on that stuff. Um, I think it's uh, it's team based, which in theory is cool. But as soon as you lose the first event, usually you get a couple of people to drop. Um, yeah, that's always a bummer. And it's then it's it's not that it's actually harder to win because if the people that dropped were bad. Like the way that the team driving works, you can still win. It doesn't make it any harder. It doesn't really matter how many people are on each team because it's about how many people your team as a whole has passed. So if I'm by myself versus six other drivers and I go and I finish the race in first place, my team still wins because I have 
600 points and they have zero points. Right, right, yep. So it, it's not that it's, it imbalances it. It just kind of sucks that people just yeah. drop. You get people, like, I'm guilty of this too sometimes, just like drop out if you're in last. You're just like, I'm, this is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's well, well planned. I don't know. I wish there was more ways to, I wish that I didn't have to play it in a team. It'd be nice if there was just a free for all racing option where mm -hmm. it was about personal performance versus uh, sure. team performance. Have you uh, done any of like the game stuff? Um, I tried to get into a game and I couldn't, it didn't queue. It couldn't find anybody. I sat for about five minutes and it didn't find anybody. Uh, uh, well, I just do like the team adventure game stuff. Um, and just do like anything goes and then I'll race or like play like infected where, and so that's like, you've got like six people are like zombies and then six people are survivors or whatever. And you drive around. I think it, it seems like it always takes place next to the castle on the beach. Uh, and so you're driving around in the dunes and the infected team has to crash into the survivor team and then they become like infected or whatever and uh they're surviving their teammates can crash into them and then make them healthy again and so basically oh, the goal is to infect all of them before time is up that's really cool i want to try that stuff because i think i might enjoy that more than the races the other issue i have with the races is you can win it's not so bad because there's only two get to the point challenges, but the way the races are structured, you're signing up for five rounds and it's a best mm -hmm. of three or best mm -hmm. of five. Sorry. You have to win three and you start with a race. And then after the race, you have to race to the next starting point of the next mm -hmm. race. And during that, there's no checkpoints or anything. So it's just to get there yeah. as fast as you can, like in burnout. But the thing I don't like is that that, I would be, I almost wish that that was sort of used as like a qualifying thing. Like the person mm -hmm. that got there first would start in the pole position, like in the first position in the race. Instead, mm -hmm. it's actually counts as a round. So mm -hmm. it, it kind of sucks because if your car is not suited for like driving there off road, mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's just a weird mm -hmm. thing of like, some people get lucky and, and sometimes yeah. you end up driving into a lake if you don't realize that the route goes through water. Um, yeah, they need, I wish the GPS was better and not just here's how you drive on the road only. If I wish yeah. there was like some off-road GPS or, stuff. Or if they'd at least like checkpoint it. So you can't just drive. Cause I've seen some people just do some really weird stuff to get there first that I didn't think would even work. So mm -hmm. I don't know. That's funny. Yeah. But, but overall that's a minor complaint. That game is maybe my favorite game this year. I don't know. Like it, it's really, 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 really fun to play and very, very, very accessible and good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have much to say beyond what's already been said on the podcast about it, but yeah. Uh, what, what are your guys' license plates? Uh, mine is G A M N F Y X. Is it actually? <laughs> that's yeah. really good. It is. That's wonderful. Uh, mine is um hang on what is the actual abbreviation uh it's b-e-s-t-b-o-i uh, yeah of course no it's it's p-s-s-c-s-t it's piss constable basically um <laughs> that's a that's a that's a, a pat gill from polygon.com joke um 
Mm-hmm. And because it's, he does a character called Piss Constable that sounds like Michael Caine. Oh, um, not anymore, he doesn't. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I thought that was funny and because it's a British thing. And then mm-hmm. I got really excited because in the opening when I made my license plate, they let me spell out the word piss. And I was really like surprised and, and excited. And then once I got through the tutorial, I um, wanted to add a symbol to the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and change it, the constable part to the actual abbreviation instead of what I had it on, which was like C A B C S T B or something. Right. Um, and then when I went to go change it, it was like, you can't have swear words in your license plate. Oh. And it made me sad. So I don't know if it was like before that, that's like how you get around the profanity filter is you, when you first start the game, make a swear word and then people can see it. I don't know. Wow. Well, yeah. Cause mine is farting. So I wonder if it would, <laughs> if I tried changing it now, if it would stop me. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, do you guys, did you guys change your difficulty at all? Like, right. Like by default, you have the plus 30%, uh, whatever mm-hmm. points, uh, did you change any of those options? Like, did you turn off driving lines or, uh, I have driving lines on braking only and drive guitars up to f- expert, I think. Nice. Yeah. And like in the, like dirt and cross country stuff, it's not an issue. But in like road racing, I'm trash at road racing. Yeah, so I have the opposite problem. So I have my steering set to simulation level, which is as hard as the steering goes. Mm. I have traction control off. I have driving lines set to braking only. I'm gonna turn ABS off soon because that's sort of the next step for me in up level upping the control difficulty. Because mm-hmm. um, I'd like to get to the point where I have all the assists off at least. Um, even if I have to uh, leave automatic transmission on, I don't know if I'll be able to ever get to also having it on manual on a yeah. controller. Yeah, um, totally. But anyway, the, then I have drive guitar set to pro, which is one step down from unbeatable, which is the hardest. And mm-hmm. on that's been a really sweet spot difficulty for me for uh, cross country and dirt races that keeps me around. Like I can win, but I'll, I also often will be in like, any, I, I never really fall below fifth place, but I've been anywhere from first to fifth in there. And that's kind of what I like. I want to have to like push for it, but not get smoked all the time. Mm-hmm. But in road races, that's the area I'm better at. So if I'm in, I have to turn it up to unbeatable to not win all the time there. Um, but we'll see. It wants me to put it up to unbeatable at times. Like sometimes I'll do a few races and I'll win all, all of them in a row and it'll be wanting me to bump it up, but I haven't actually done it yet. Uh, I mean, that's why they call you the best boy. (laughs) And Alex, what races have you been enjoying so far? I know you said you're only in autumn, but is there a particular like kind of race you like so far? Um, the dirt racing has been interesting. The cross country ones I've found better than dirt races. Hmm. Uh, I found the stunt driving stuff to be kind of eh, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the street races have been eh, whatever, because it just feels like normal Forza. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of into the stuff that doesn't feel like normal Forza. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like, uh, I should note the last Forza game I actually played in earnest was Forza 3. Like, not Horizon 3, I mean Forza 3. <laughs> so, however many years ago that was on the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I'm finding that I'm, I'm going to 
play out the rest of this first like quote year first month of forza mm -hmm. horizon 4 mm -hmm. really hard and try to 100 percent it and then i might go play forza, forza motorsport 7 a bunch because i'm finding that my favorite races are actually the ones that resemble motorsport <laughs> the most mm -hmm. i love everything in horizon so the dirt and cross country is also a blast but mm -hmm. the straight like road course races not street races but road course mm -hmm. races where there isn't traffic are the things that i'm right. enjoying the most yeah, which is totally. that is what motorsport is the whole way through so mm -hmm. yeah yeah i can totally see that I, I would say there's none of them i don't enjoy except yeah, maybe same. maybe stunt driving just because it just feels mm -hmm. <laughs> there there are there's at least in my opinion one good stunt race event there's one good one uh that i would say is like exceptional and the others are like uh, yeah i'm just i'm driving a thing fast right. i know which one you're talking about i don't i didn't think it was bad but it didn't actually strike me that much i thought honestly my favorite stunt driving event is like the early one where you're driving the the roadster the like old track race car where you're, where you're just like driving it up the coast that's that's probably my, my probably my favorite one um but i liked the drift a lot i found the drift infuriating but i also forced myself to get three stars on it and that's what taught me to drive without traction control so i kind of valued that a lot and then my favorite one straight up is probably the la racer stuff which is the one people are talking about where you're playing through a list of the best video game cars that one is really cool and they actually make some very good choices and call outs in that I thought the actual like driving, like the racing and stuff, I was like, uh, yeah, I guess there's nothing like special. Like you could just tell me if there's any like Forza mission, and I'd be like, yep, yeah, no, this is just like normal, normal yeah. thing you do in Forza. Not, not... I think that's, I, I kind of think that's true of. I guess the drift is not really the case, but that's definitely the case with like the world's fastest and the stunt racing thing, the stunt driving thing. I guess it's more than that, but it's still not yeah I don't that, know. that's like hey we're gonna fly a jet over your head and make yeah. you jump through a windmill yeah it, it, it's it's still pretty standard driving this the biggest yeah, strength yeah. in that game is by far just that the fact that the cars handle so well that it doesn't really matter what you're doing yeah. it's a lot of fun but, to drive yeah. them but andre yeah. the whole thing about having a jet flying over your head and driving through a windmill Mm -hmm. To my knowledge, that's a pretty standard thing in the UK, but it's a shame we don't have anyone from the UK here who could tell us about it. Yeah. Well, we never, you know, we'll just never know. The UK and their the, the, the white angel, blue angel. No, it's also, it's it's also impressive. They've managed to represent literally the entire UK in that game. There's nothing missing from what the that whole country is in forza horizon 4 that's like both culturally and like geographically they're just they're eating spotted dick constantly <laughs> yorkshire puddings it's just like I'm, just, I'm always stepping in shepherd's pie do you think they also canceled iron fist in the forza universe one can hope this isn't funny, you guys. <laughs> not British. I think British people would find this very unfunny. Is this That's an American really accent? Awful, but also amazing accent. <laughs> Is that Cartman? Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> it's it's a. What if Cartman was the KFC Colonel? That's the joke I was going for. Well, you that's, that's, an, that's an episode, though. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Isn't that an episode? Probably. I think so. No, he's South Park in the last 10 years. I think Cartman's delivering for a guy who's the KFC colonel. That's, yeah, okay. 
Oh, yes, I definitely have seen that. Medicinal fried chicken. It's the episode where they microwave their balls. It's very good. Right, yep, yep. <laughs> they want testicular cancer so they can uh, get medicinal marijuana. As soon as, as soon as Sam gets back, we're straight to testicular cancer. I'm glad. Is that also the one where they ride their balls around like they're they're like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah yeah that was on the tail end of when South Park was good again hey Stan yeah. can you get me a beer <laughs> Stan so yeah Forza Horizon Four is pretty great <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll play two hours of it and was like this is pretty good yeah. Forza Horizon Four better than microwaving your balls <laughs> I think that we could all safely say that yeah yep. So, Pat, did you want to have a quick rap about Blops? Yeah, so the main thing that I want to rap about Blops, it seems like a very competently made good game. I'm playing it on PC. It handles really well. It runs really well. There haven't been any tech problems. It does lie to you and tell you that it's playable because the Blizzard launcher does that where it'll tell you it's playable before it's finished downloading and then stream in the other stuff. That's a complete lie. If you try to do anything in it from the main menu, it'll error out and close until you finished installing the whole game wow. so <laughs> that's Please, that was man. a little frustrating because i set it to download overnight and then there was like a 20 gig patch or something uh and i could not play it even though it said it was playable I, but otherwise I, I saw that the day one patch was like 50 gigs that could have been it could have been and that i didn't actually i have fairly quick internet so i may have booted mm -hmm. the blizzard launcher and stepped away for 10 minutes or something and mm -hmm. it actually downloaded a lot of it um but uh Anyway, I mean, it's well-made, and it plays great. We kind of talked about it during the beta. That stuff is still the same. I haven't touched Blackout mode. I've only played a couple rounds of the actual multiplayer. Uh, I haven't touched Zombies. But the thing that I find wild is that that game kind of has a single-player campaign, but it doesn't have a single-player campaign. Yeah, totally. You can tell it obviously had a single-player yes, campaign. it has the bones of a single-player campaign, but without any single-player levels beyond, like, bot matches yeah and it's, training it's like if you had all of the cutscenes and stuff from a regular call of duty campaign uh but it none of the scripted moments no kicking and down a door and going through stuff slow-mo also oh boy those cutscenes are bad like <laughs> it's a good thing they canceled that game single player campaign because it's garbage <laughs> like it's actually entertaining how bad it is i'm kind of glad they included this stuff in the package because the rest of it is very good and it actually the training mode gives you a really good handle on the characters so i think it's valuable but the writing and voice acting in there is uh, I didn't play a couple entries of the series, but I've played most of it. It's the worst I've seen from Call of Duty easily. <laughs> like Frank Woods yells at you a bunch. Yeah. And he says stuff like, you're a fucking artist, man. After you kill a bunch of people and like, you just graduated with the, with a basic degree of badassery. At one point he says at one point, and I'm quoting here, this is an explicit podcast, so I can swear, but I'm quoting here. He said, wow, man, that was lit AF. Like Frank fucking Woods says that was lit AF. Oh my god, I love it. Like a computer version of Frank Woods. He's not obviously Frank Woods is dead at this point. But yeah, isn't Frank Woods from the first Black Ops game and the second one? Yeah, he's okay. he's sort of the it's Alex Mason is the character you play as, and then Frank Woods is like his mm -hmm. his ally, his like partner or whatever. And Frank Woods dies in Black Ops Two, I think. Um, mm -hmm. 
I actually never finished the story for Black Ops 3, so I don't know if they like bring his corpse back or something. But uh, he's a computer simulation here that's like your training, your simulation training person. And like the woman who runs the organization that brings all of these specialists together is Savannah Mason, who's Alex Mason's daughter. Uh, and then like Jessica Mason dies in the intro video, and she's. Uh, Alex Mason's other daughter and there's all this like intrigue in the cutscenes about like Savannah Mason and and Jessica Mason and how Savannah Mason was trying to do this revolutionary thing and they don't really tell you what it is and then there's audio logs that are garbage that you get through completing like challenges in the single player because like they give you a training on each character and then you play three skirmish matches at increasing bot difficulty you can just play one and move on, or you can play three to get like stars that then unlock these audio logs that are terrible. They don't have any yeah. subtitles either, and they're very quiet. <laughs> do, do they talk about like cheeseburgers? Well, so they talk in hushed tones about the like these like this huge conspiracy, and it almost seems like I've only gotten through about half of them. So there's this is not a spoiler. I don't have concrete data on this, but it seems like what they're suggesting is that like savannah mason did something that created the zombies thing and they're like trying to put the black ops story together with zombies so that maybe next time they can just make zombies their single player and also cooperative campaign oh wow so uh, it's it, weird is it about is it about chemtrails there's that kind of stuff in it yeah well <laughs> and like when you watch the intro video for i forget his name but the guy with the flamethrower he's uh, like yeah his story video, because each character has like a story cutscene. His story cutscene is him like torching this burned out apartment complex that's like he's torching the bodies in it. And it almost seems like he's cleaning them up like it's a zombie outbreak or something. But I don't know for sure because he's also the guy that uses a nuclear reactor. So like maybe it's just that it's like a Chernobyl event or something like that. So I don't have any found. Maybe that maybe I'm crazy and maybe it has nothing to do with that. But it some of the stuff they like talk about how like Sarah found this unknowable secret hidden in the basement of the thing, the, the, the base and stuff. And like, Oh, she can't tell anybody. And, but they don't really, I also haven't, all I know is there's some terrible secret after having unlocked about half of the audio logs. And that, that's, that makes yeah. me kind of want to play that stuff, but also kind of not, <laughs> I'm going to play it all. So I can tell you okay. it's, I'll touch a few of them. I, I did one and, it was fine, but it sounds like it gets special after that. It's weird. The flip side is that it, it isn't that frustrating because even on veteran, the highest difficulty, the bots aren't that hard. So you'll, I haven't lost a single match out of the nine or 12 that I've done so far. So it actually feels like pretty good practice. Uh, you get to see half of the maps in the game. You get to see every mode. You get to try out each character's uh, set of equipment and stuff. Um, so the part where you play through to unlock these things is not bad. It's fine. It's fun. And you're playing the game. So um, it's just that the actual content is really poorly executed, but in a way that's pretty entertaining. Right. So yeah, I recommend looking at it if anybody has this game because it's it's wild. Yeah. And the game itself is really good. I mean, yeah, it's great. There's, there's not much to say beyond what we talked about in the beta just because it's largely the same. But the the new maps and everything like that are they've all the ones that I've played so far have been good. I think some of them are classic uh, blops maps, but uh, yeah, I haven't run into a stinker yet. 
Yeah, I haven't played, I didn't play Black Ops 3's multiplayer beyond a couple of matches because it was really bloated in a way that I didn't like. Um, the thing that I love about this one is everything seems really streamlined. It's like the opposite of World War II's problem. Like you don't have 15,000 menu options all the time. It's very simple and very easy to put your loadouts together, get into games, um, which is great. And so mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen any maps that I recognized, but um it's possible that they're that some of them are from black ops 3 i i don't know yeah one thing i will say is sometimes the ui is designed in a really weird way like uh one of the ones i encountered is when you're trying to find a multiplayer match so you have like especially if you're in a party you have your in the bottom right you're using the destiny style controls where you're moving the little cursor around but uh in the bottom right you have find match and then just to the left of that there's a little icon that has like the three lines and three circles on it and then like this the lines are filled up to where the circle is and i'm like oh that's like a settings menu what is that but no that's for hosting a custom game <laughs> weird and, and it's like i never would have got that from looking at that icon like it has a couple little things like that but yeah. it's nothing that hinders the gameplay it's just a little weird there's some weird little um there's some weird stuff with the way spawning works too that is not bad, but I can see why it would be frustrating for people trying to play it at a high level competitively. Like there's a mode that is actually very cool where and I'm sure it's been in past games, but where you're basically doing King of the Hill, but the point moves every now and then, like every yeah, yeah. 20 seconds or so. And it's a fun mode, but if you time it so like you you die right as the, the, the part, the place is moving, it'll spawn you right next to it. So like you almost want to die at the end of that timer because then you'll get a jump on taking the next point. And it's just kind of weird. I don't, it's so hard to control when you die that I don't think it really makes a huge difference, but I didn't, I, I actually got killed by AI a couple of times, right? As it was changing locations and I basically spawned on it. And that was a little jarring and weird, but a lot of the kill streaks are super cool. I'd never seen that, uh, whatever it's called, the, typhoon or something it's a missile that like deploys from a plane yeah and, and then you can really drop cool. like drop other missiles yeah it's super yeah. cool it like comes out of the plane and you get a view from above of the map and it shows you where enemies are as long as they're in line of sight from the missile and you can lock onto them and fire other cluster missiles at them but then also wherever you direct the missile to land it blows up too so you can like kill an entire team with it and it's really fun and satisfying yeah. but it actually takes some skill to do it yeah it's good so yeah, yeah seems like a great game yeah i'm gonna continue playing it um okay. uh heist mode is really good by the way but anyways yeah <laughs> i would say my final thought on it is kind of like we said before it seems like it's in between a um like uh older call of duty game or something like overwatch maybe it's kind of in between that and a siege where it's fast paced low time to kill but because you respawn so quickly and i know that's not true of every mode but most of the modes you respawn incredibly quickly so you can it's not as tactical as siege but it has some of that feel in terms of using equipment and um and it's still like military themed yeah though i would say heist is closer to siege because it's the single life yeah or counter-strike however you want to think of it mm -hmm. cool, so, cool so so what's up with this this thing that you were playing pat this this oh thing, yeah this, this thing so this we thing 
my partner and I wanted to start playing some spooky games because it's uh, October, um, and uh, we like October. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I also don't like things that are heavy on jump scares because I don't one I don't respond well to it. It like makes me uncomfortable in a way that's not fun for me, and two. It, it seems always seems kind of lazy to me to just like make everything jump scare based. Um, so uh, one of my favorite genres of horror is Lovecraftian horror, um, which like disclaimer, disclaimer dude is dude was a horrible raging racist and an awful person. But um, the non-racist horrible parts of his work, which is actually most of it. Um, I really, really enjoy and some of my favorite horror. And so there's this game that came out last year called Conarium, sort of spelled like it sound. So does it, sound. Ha- does it have Nicolas Cage in it? No, no. <laughs> if only, <laughs> if only, um, Stupid it, it has no one famous. In fact, the voice acting is pretty choice. Uh, the main character is the only one that I think is actively kind of bad. Um, but he sometimes like muses and he has an interesting accent, uh, but, uh, it's written pretty well. So he's not, it doesn't detract from the game that much, but it's an interesting horror game because it's, I would definitely call it a horror game. Um, but it's not, and it has moments that make you kind of that are like surprising, but they're not like make you scream. It's not violent really. Uh, well, there's no combat. We'll say that. And there's no sneaking. Those are the things that I can't deal with in horror games, like games like outlast, for example, I've watched people play them cause I like the genre, but I can't handle the like sneaking around. That's why I could never get around to resident evil seven. Cause the early parts of that game, the way you're like trying to complete objectives while someone is stalking you is just too much for me. Um, I managed to, get through it for some of the like like soma and amnesia but that that's like a once a year experience that i can handle because it it frays my nerves a lot so what i like about conarium is that um it does have a couple of chase sequences that are pretty straightforward but otherwise it's all adventure gamey in first person um but it still has some spooky stuff it still has moments where like something will pop up in front of you and um you'll want to like follow it and see where it goes or whatever uh and it's set it's based on hp lovecraft's at the mountains of madness which is kind of his most influential story um and it's also the story that sort of tied a lot of the disparate elements of his writing together into a mythos rather than being one-off stories um and um conarium is cool because it's actually a sequel to at the mountains of madness it's set after the novella um which is really awesome they did a very good job like adapting the visuals of it but it actually has its own story so it's not like playing at the mountains of madness ruins the story of the game um and uh it's it's pretty interesting i recommend it to anybody who likes uh, adventure games or horror that maybe doesn't want to deal with like super jump scare heavy, really disturbing horror because it's much more uh, cool. easier to stomach than a lot of horror. Um, but yeah, it's got a great look. It's you move kind of slow, so and there's a lot of reading, um, a lot of picking up notes and reading them. So is and, it, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. I'm just gonna say, would you say more than like straight up horror? It's more psychological horror. Definitely. Okay, that um, sounds pretty cool. 
it's still a little bit tense and spooky because like i said what will happen is like the concept is you're a canariot or canarianot it's like you you wear this device that like at times when it resonates with certain things in the environment and this is not a gameplay mechanic it just happens sometimes you'll see like ghosts of things that have happened before or that will happen um and it has to do with a bunch of there's a ton of lore and mythology in the game that like i said there's a lot of reading um and it doesn't spell everything out for you you have to kind of figure some of this out on your own but anyway you'll like come around a corner and at the end of the hallway you'll see like a visage of a person or a monster or something walking down the hall and it's never stuff that's going to attack you or hurt you aside from a couple of like i said very clear chase sequences that from what i've seen haven't completed them yet but they're not that scary actually but it'll it's nothing that's ever going to hurt you but it is stuff that makes you go oh okay crap there's a guy down there um so it's still spooky and the environments are very dark and creepy looking so it's still a spooky game but it is definitely more psychological and less jump scare um cool but it is sort of a walking simulator in that the puzzle solving is extremely light and there's very little that you're that's actually hard um there's only really been two puzzles so far and they we figured them out in about five minutes cool yeah, it's a good good October game. It's not expensive. It's short. I think we're gonna finish it tonight. Um, but uh, it's like twenty bucks, I think, on Steam, if that. So, hmm. is 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 there anything like mechanical about it? Because it looks like the puzzles are all pretty simple, and like the interactions are all just kind of moving stuff and looking at stuff. But does yep. yeah, like is, is there anything that like requires some dexterity? Um, well, like I said, there's, again, I haven't, I only have read about them in descriptions. I haven't actually played through them, but there are, um, chase, a couple of chase sequences over the, you know, four to six hours of the game's length, um, where you have to run away from something, but it checkpoints you really generously from what I hear. So it's not hard. Otherwise, um, so like there's weird stuff, like early on, there's actually a dialogue sequence where you're picking dialogue options they're not really choices because you're going to go through them all anyway, but it's got like kind of interesting one-off little mechanical bits like that. Like at one point you're controlling a submarine and you can run into things to damage it. But so you got to kind of be careful as you like drive it, sail it, whatever around. Um, but it's all very light mechanically. Um, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff that really requires you to do specific uh, mechanical actions. Like you get an ax at one point, but it's as simple as you equip it and then press a to do certain things instead of just pressing a and having it tell you, you can't do that. So it, I, I would say that if you're looking for like an adventure game, ass adventure game, this is probably not that it trends closer to something like a gone home. Uh, um, okay. But, but, but it's, the reason I think that even people who I like those kinds of games always, but even if you didn't like something like a gone home or a everybody's gone to the rapture kind of game, this one has a lot of, and I guess this is kind of like gone home, but it has a lot going on narratively and, and lore wise. So there's a lot of stuff to read, a lot of stuff to listen to. And there's a lot of like piecing together what's going on that I think is really engaging and it makes it uh, fascinating to play because every around every corner there's like a 
oh, so this ties back to what that guy was saying. And, and this is related to this thing from the book that I know about from, from at the mountains of madness. And so I think there's a lot going on there. That's interesting to uncover. So it doesn't just feel like you're walking straight through the environment, um, watching stuff happen. I have one last question. Mm -hmm. And this is related to the video that's currently playing for the video version of the podcast. Is this mm -hmm. a bust statue with a moving head that speaks to you and also has a mouth on his forehead? It's not a mouth. It's an eye. Ah, it's just closed. Gotcha. Oh, that's Tian Shan Han. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a lot of weird stuff like that in it. It's I a mean, cool game. It's, it's Lovecraft, so I'd assume it would have some yep. weird stuff. Uh, it's also on sale right now for seven bucks. So I would I say have, it's super, super worth seven bucks. Yeah. I have a friend who in college wrote a, like a short play that was based on a bunch of Lovecraft stuff. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a pretty big month for Lovecraft stuff because uh, Cyanide's Call of Cthulhu game comes out at the end of the month. It's based on uh, it's based on the Chaosium Call of Cthulhu RPG, pen and paper RPG. Mm -hmm. uh, it actually looks like they're they might nail it. Um, the er, the previews coming out now are pretty positive. Cool. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Well, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Or is that it for today for you? Um, it's mostly it. This isn't a thing that I have uh, thoughts about yet because I haven't played it. But I did have a game pop up in my Steam queue this morning that I promptly bought and installed. And I'm going to check out later called Helium Rain that came out two days ago. Okay, it's, wait, okay, wait. Before, can we guess what kind of game it is? Yeah, do that, do that, because I have very little to actually say about it, obviously, because I haven't played it. But Okay, so I'm going to guess it's one of those, like, stick and rock, kind of, more or less, maybe a little bit lighter than your average stick and rock game, but it's like a Subnautica type. Okay. Alex, what do you think it is? I'm going to go with a healthy bet for 2018 and say it's a Metroidvania roguelike. Okay. Okay. And Sam? All right, can I get the name of the game again, please? Helium Rain. It's a space sim. Sam is on the money. <laughs> <laughs> it appears, though, to be... It does look like it has some combat... But it appears that the structure, although there is some combat, is largely that of American Truck Simulator or Euro Truck Simulator. Okay. Um, Wait, what? But in space, in that, <laughs> it is a game where you run a mining company. It's all very serious, too. There's no goofiness to it. Um, you run a mining company and around this one planet, but it's got a huge, I mean, obviously space around the planet is huge. So you're kind of going around this planet, mining asteroids, and then selling those asteroids at different, at various stations. And you control your ships and fleets. Um, but it appears that you take jobs like you do in one of those truck simulators and then go mine the stuff and take it to stations. It, it doesn't look like it's that combat heavy, even though there is combat in the game. And it looks like there's a lot of management. Um, essentially, I mean, this is just, it's a very exciting looking game to me because I love this kind of stuff. There so, are a lot of pictures of menus on the Steam page. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of menu stuff. This this already looks like EVE Online to me. 
a little bit, but like one planet and single player. Uh, so I'm into it. I'll come back with that next week because I'm gonna cool. I'm gonna check it out. I look. I like the look of like some of the ships on here. I think yep. it's got a neat aesthetic. And it's 15 bucks. I wouldn't have like gone hard and just bought it if it if it wasn't so cheap. Like it's a it's a really inexpensive game, and it looks like it has uh, a lot of cool complex economic stuff going on in it. This looks like it was in early access because a bunch of the reviews say early access review, and so yeah. I guess it just came out of early access. Oh. It's a it's a great example of what we were talking about last week with uh, difficulty in kind of. Um, surfacing certain kinds of content because like this is my favorite genre of video game and it's i had no idea that it ever existed <laughs> i have never heard of it before this morning mm-hmm. well speaking of things i've never heard of sam what do you bring to talk about uh it's a very small niche game i don't think it got uh, much fanfare uh, it's uh, this uh, yeah this series I haven't been one for a little while. Uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. Never heard of also been game. playing Dragon Quest. Is I don't know who that is. Yeah, uh, this friend of mine. I don't know if you know her. Um, she's also been playing Dragon Quest Eleven, and she said she's having real trouble getting into it. I don't know. I don't know whether that's because maybe she's had a lot of. Uh, uh, sorry, I've just got a Microsoft email saying my password has changed, but I definitely haven't done that. So that's exciting. Mm. Um, oh dear. <laughs> okay, this podcast has now got a live walkthrough of Sam having his identity stolen. Sweet. Sam, I actually work for Microsoft Tech Support, and I was hoping that we could talk about that today. <laughs> we actually talked about doxing you at the beginning of the podcast. We that did. is true. I did. We Through did. Pat's uh, new PSN name. My new PSN name that I'm going to change it to is Sam from Gaming Fix's full legal name. What's my full legal name? I don't know. It's just going to be that spelled out. It's not going to actually be your legal name. It's going to be those words. And then for the real name request, whatever weird tax identification number that people can steal your identity with in the UK, that's going to be the real name for the real name request. We don't actually have uh, an ID number like a social security number. It just doesn't exist. We have passport numbers, I guess. But, yeah. So that's a really smart way to keep people from stealing identities if you just don't have information <laughs> that would allow other people to yeah. steal your identity. Just easier? Isn't it? Mm. Is, aren't social security numbers like nine numbers? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, nine numbers, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it out loud while I was thinking of it. The <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven is really good. <laughs> uh, I'm about 18 hours in, which is pretty much the sum total of video game time I've had since the last time I was on the podcast. Cool. Um, it's a really, it's a really interesting game. It's like this huge throwback, obviously, as every Dragon Quest game is nowadays. Um, uh the way that i would describe it and this is actually like fiona my wife also said something similar she's like this game is like the disney jrpg it's extremely wholesome uh like no characters have like bad intentions all the monsters are cute um apparently there is some not wholesome stuff later on um but I haven't yet to get there. 
Disney uh, Disney JRPG King what? There is actually already a Disney JRPG though. <laughs> yeah, and it's is terrible. There? Yes. Wow. What's it called? Uh, I believe it's the on, the only person here who has played it is you, right? What? It's Aladdin okay, I... for the Sega Genesis. Um, what? I've never finished a Kingdom Hearts game. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I was gonna say because I said Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Uh, I thought you meant there was like another like ex- like exclusively Disney JRPG. No. Like a Ducktales JRPG I, I, or something. Uh, this is more of an ARPG. It's still a JRPG. You can exist an AJRPG. Yeah, I'm talking about a real JRPG. That's my favorite wrestler. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's a JRPG. My favorite rapper. <laughs> wow. Uh, not going to prison, right, for the fire festival? Yeah, you're right. Oh man, other guy. Yeah. Anyway, Dragon what's Quest. His, what's his name? Dragon Quest is great. Sorry, I accidentally uh, opened a page to try and reset my Microsoft password and it started playing a video. We can talk about if you want. I'll just ignore that. Um, yeah, What's so... my password? <laughs> the, yeah, like, honestly, there's not much to say about Dragon Quest. It's basically the same game with some slight quality of life improvements that uh, the last Dragon Quest was um, the last Dragon Quest be- that we got uh, at least like the last Dragon Quest that I played like I didn't play um, Dragon Quest 9 because uh, I didn't have a DS at the time and I was like oh, who wants to play a multiplayer focused JRPG when no one else I know is playing this game so this is a this is maybe too big of a question for us to answer on this podcast, but no, I'll answer it. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, and I'm and, and I'm not being I'm not like saying I think there's anything wrong with them being successful because if they're good games, I'm glad they're successful. But if there's there's like there's been eleven Dragon Quest games at this point, and if yep. they're all very much that standard JRPG formula, what do you think it is about them? Even if they are very good, that makes them so successful after eleven games. It, like uh, I, it, I just don't get it. I mean, I think you could say the same for a lot of long-running series. Like there have been eleven Call of Duties in the last how yeah. many years, and the advances in gameplay have been pretty minimal. The difference, uh, though, is that those are competitive games, though, where you're playing against other people, uh-huh. and it's it's about like. They they definitely I think there's a different conversation that is the same question about how they can get away with putting out a competitive game every year that doesn't change a whole lot and is sixty bucks. But I think it's a different. The factors at play there seem different to me than with something like Dragon Quest. I think I have two words for you, Akira Toriyama. Could be yeah. It's the I actually I think that the real word is quality. I don't think I've ever played a game that's like as perfectly put together. My perfectly my girlfriend's dad stayed home from work to beat this game. Well, that's kind of Japan. What I'm, like, yeah, I mean, and it's like, not that I think it's a bad thing either. To be clear, people yeah. people will stay home from work to for new Monster Hunters too. Like, and that was years and years before Monster Hunter Worlds. Like, yeah. I, I think Japan just has different priorities. 
Like, yeah, uh, his, his wife was yelling at him because out. he was late for work while he was playing Dragon Quest. <laughs> Monster Hunter Stories is out on iPhone, by the way, if anyone was it curious about that. that. Um, uh, and yet, I guess like with Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter is maybe similar, but Monster Hunter seems so uh, focused on um, cooperative play and uh, and like grinding out in a similar way to competitive games, Monster Hunter is totally about the grind. It's about like, right. whereas Dragon Quest is so much about the story. I just think it's interesting that with the same gameplay format, people are still interested in seeing those stories. Like, and it doesn't ever get old. It seems like they could just make that exact game forever with new stories. And I, I mean, if anything, I think it's cool. And I yeah. wish that I understood it. <laughs> I, I kind of see it in the same way that like you kind of think of pokemon in some way right like um it's always going to be someone's first pokemon it's always going to be someone's first dragon quest so even if it's numbered yeah, and it's like 13 or 17 or something like it just seems like pokemon changes more i guess okay. i don't know that's totally fair more totally to fair. collect in pokemon yeah yeah like that's reasonable i don't know it just seems like I guess what i'm the core of what i'm getting at is having never played through a dragon quest game before it feels like aside from visual differences, but because of the way they're so stylized, it almost seems like that doesn't matter as much. I could go pick up dragon quest six and have a really, really good time and have as good a time maybe as someone would have if they bought dragon quest 11. So it's interesting to me that like at this point, there's thousands of hours of dragon quest out there. And I just think it's interesting that it's so sustainable and so powerful of a franchise after such a long time with so little change to it. Uh, they, they have added more gameplay stuff to this one than any other Dragon Quest that I've played. So I've played um, uh, 1, 6, 7, and 8. Um, and yeah, so uh, for 8 was also the last home console Dragon Quest that we saw in the West. And PS2? Yeah, that came out when I was like 20. And now yeah, I played a little bit of that. I got to like the cave after the town at the beginning of that. And like that came like the start seemed weirdly hard when I was a kid. I don't know. It, yeah, it was super hard. I never beat that game. I always really wanted to. But like regular monsters would just kick your ass. Mm-hmm. Um and it was basically like you needed to do a lot more grinding in that game and like they've really lightened up on that with dragon quest 11 like i'm mowing through most enemies but also um so yeah the big the big changes for this one um are that there's no random battles anymore so enemies are visible on the map i know that everyone but me prefers that i do still like random battles and the the thing that i like about random battles that they have in this one are that they do have um uh so like the thing i like about random battles is that you can just grind and grind and grind and grind you don't have to be like oh i've killed all the enemies here i have to move to a new area enemies fill back in behind you so you never see an enemy spawn in but mm-hmm. when you turn around there will be more enemies to kill always uh, it's just really intelligent smartly doing it kind of where you're not looking because um, you can like move forward and kill everything in front of you and you'll never see anything respawn and then turn around and it's all just back mm. um, there's a new what if I don't want to fight all that stuff again you can run around stuff so a lot of stuff won't aggro to you and 
so only certain monsters aggro and also if you are too high level for them they will run away from you they'll actively run and you'll have okay. to chase them down and hit them to get an attack to start like you know persona very similar system um they've also put crafting into the game uh, and the crafting is actually super good in terms of like I'm constantly trying to craft my uh, trying to craft items because crafting many, items are better. How many iron daggers do you have to craft to get to max level? In crafting, uh, they you can't level up the crafting independently. It levels up with the story. Oh, so you okay. get to a place in the story, and it's like you've got you're better at crafting now. Here's more crafting recipes, but you don't have to engage with that crafting in any way, shape, or form. So you can literally ignore it for the whole game. But crafting weapons uh, gets you massive stat boosts on them. So if you perfect craft a weapon, you can get a plus three on it, and that's like plus ten to the major stat and like plus five to the minors. It's pretty good. Um, the other I really thing, enjoy the crafting system. The other thing that's really weird about these games, like I'm looking at it now, is if you, like the first four of them, have never seen anything but Famicom and NES releases. And then, right. like you jump, then, then they did iOS ports of like five, six, seven, and eight. That's where I played six and seven was on iOS. Oh no, Android um, two, six, six uh, on iOS, seven on 3ds. And then they did like nine is a is a DS exclusive. They never put it anywhere else. Ten never Absolutely. came to the US. Did nine ever come to the US? Nine came to the US. Yeah. Yeah, uh, nine, nine came was, everywhere. Ten's the MMO that's only that's Japan only. Yeah, that and has then three hours for kids. That's pretty cool. And then 11, it's just an interesting, it's so when you contrast it to something like Final Fantasy, which is kind of like to people like me who just don't play Dragon Quest, that's kind of the most easily mappable comparison. Um, it's just so weird. Cause like I, I would definitely be interested in, I wish I could buy like a Switch pack that was the first four Dragon Quest games for like 30 bucks or something well, even if they get, didn't do anything to them you'll get one two and four and that'll be you'll be happy about it <laughs> yeah i guess uh i don't know it's just it's odd i would just say play 11 because it's probably the best one uh it, because you know it's hard to go back to older games the games that they don't link together in terms of story sometimes right. they'll reference each other mm -hmm. um but it's it's not like it's not even as close to God of War in terms of the referencing to previous iterances. It's like in this game, they're like, oh, you're the luminary and you are going to save the world. There was an old luminary a, a millennia ago, and like that's intended to be the original main character of a previous Dragon Quest game. Yeah, I guess the, the thing that I think would be interesting would be to see how the series evolves mechanically and from like a storytelling perspective over time, even if the stories aren't connected. And I'm not saying that I'm going to go back and start playing the first Dragon Quest. That's not so, my point. So, it's just an interesting system of releases and like the history is cool and weird. You know what it needs? Um, it needs to be bought by Konami and then turned into a pachinko game. Okay. Uh, yeah, the thing that I like about it is um, I watched a review of it before it came out like Kotaku did this really awesome oh, review it's, it's a like really 35, good 40 minutes so long good. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite funny. I wasn't sure whether the guy was being serious at all, like whether he was just taking the piss out of the game completely. Um, but it does seem like he said, he was like, I played this game through three times, twice in Japanese and once in English for this review. He's like, and the way that I played it was I played half an hour before bed every day and treated it like a bedtime story. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been how playing long it. Did he have that fucking game? What the? F- how? What? They gave it out super far in advance for review because yeah. it's yeah. like the main story is like 50, 60 hours, and then a shit ton of stuff gets unlocked afterwards. And a lot of the reviews I've seen have said that the stuff that gets unlocked after you finish the game is better than the stuff in the game, like more <sighs> challenging, more interesting. Uh, why do people do that? Kind of like a second whole storyline. That's not. That's the worst part about Nintendo games. Yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, I think I didn't. First of all, <laughs> it got a forty out of forty from Famitsu. I did yeah, not realize that. Noted Skyward uh, Sword. Yeah, but I'm like, not saying that. That's <laughs> it also like, got a forty out of forty dollars to all the people who work for Famitsu. Well, okay, <laughs> sure, but it's still. Like, it's still rare for them to do a perfect score. Uh, anyway, the, the, it's it's and it those it's borne out in other scores too. There's only a couple of places that didn't like it, but um, I think what I'm probably going to do is um, wait for the Switch version, and if that's good, play it there. Um, Same. It's out in Japan on Switch, and apparently it's very good. Cool. Uh, I actually think the portable is the way to play this game because the Vita playing on the Vita has been really good. Yeah. What yeah. was that, Andre? Oh, I wonder if you could just import the Switch version at this point. It's and not, it's it's not it's localized. Because, no. well, yeah. I mean, there have been games where it's like the game's not out in English yet, or it's not out in America, but you could get the Switch version, and it would be, it would have the, I think, like, what, Blaster Master or something had that? Yep, yep. So, like, you buy the Japanese one, and then it has the English on it, so. Does, it's, it's, yeah. Do, when they do a Japanese release like that, do they also do, like, Southeast Asia? Because those usually have English translations. Uh, if they, as I, far as I know, there isn't I think, I think Dragon Quest didn't come out because it hadn't been localized yet. Yeah, I don't think it's been localized outside of Japan. So, okay. like, they, the Switch was probably, like, the last, the last thing they're working on. I don't know. Like, they're probably yeah. porting it to the Switch. Fair enough. Do we have a release date for the Switch version? 2019. That's so weird. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, it's no, no. The Switch version isn't out in Japan apparently. Just okay. the 3DS and PS4 versions are out there. Mm-hmm. Got it. 3DS version is never coming to the West. They've already said that in advance. Good. Bury it. Because bury 3DS. Uh, yeah, because bury 3DS. Yeah. I'm super interested to see what that 3DS version looks like, having played the PS4 version. It's got crossplay, yeah. apparently. According to this uh, interview for uh, GameSpot, who has from PAX East, uh, the game was developed on a Unreal, a version of Unreal that did not support the Switch because of like when it started. So they're having to port it to like the newer version of Unreal. That sounds like it could be a mess on the Switch. <laughs> it could be, or it could come out well. Because they're, if they're, I, I don't know. I don't you know, know like how well polished this game is. I would be very surprised to see them put out a non-polished version of it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah same. And Dragon Quest. Uh, sorry, go on. I was just saying, it's not like it's a super like. Um, 
intensive game with like tons of like like you can move in the combat but it's not like, like it's turn-based and stuff like that so i don't know that frame rate stuff will be much of an issue outside of like maybe a few animations or something but we'll see yeah, yeah we'll see if it goes if it goes on sale on steam that's for a reasonable amount over the holidays i may pick it up there to try because they're um rolling out that steam on ios thing and and on android where you can stream games to your Mm -hmm. other devices i may pick it up there specifically as a way to try playing it on like phones and stuff uh because i can already steam link it to the tv so Mm -hmm. that could be a fun experiment game for that i have have you this is unrelated to dragon quest and and it it will always be unrelated to dragon quest have you guys heard about the microsoft xcloud thing Yep. Uh, yeah, that seems really interesting too. That's kind of similar to what you were just talking about having Steam on iOS, but with the basically the power of an Xbox in your whatever device. Yep, it's the way of the future. That's the way. That's the way games are going to be played in you know, fifteen twenty years. So, you know what's bullshit? I mean, it's in a test, but so like I I used a VPN uh, to try and get into that Project Stream thing, but. Mm, using a VPN and needing like 40 millisecond ping and like 15 megabyte down or megabit down is apparently too much to ask for, uh, from Japan. (laughs) So I can't use projects, Google's project stream to play Assassin's Creed, uh, Odyssey, but it's like, I've talked about this with like DRM on like movies and stuff. I don't know if I talk about it on the podcast, but you know, when it's like, Oh, movies anywhere, or you can play it anywhere. I'm like, well, I'm somewhere, but I can't use it. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Off. I think this is a really morbid thing and a weird thing. And I hope I'm wrong, but the, the thing we've talked about a lot, in the past, not we specifically, but as a society is that we're not going to be, there's not going to be a future for only streamable games because there's so many people that don't have access to fast enough internet. Mm -hmm. And I, for a long time, I think we thought that the way that that was going to change is that more places would get access to faster internet. But I think that what's going to actually happen is that those places without access to faster internet are going to continue to become such economic wastelands. And with, frankly, with some of the reports that have come out in the past couple of weeks, probably climate wastelands, that it's going to behoove companies to just focus on people with fast enough internet anyway, because there won't be people existing that like are going to even have accessing a streaming game service as a thought that mm-hmm. is like as considering it's just going to be hard to live in those areas before long. Um, you're you're going to be either... You know, either have good internet or you're going to be dead, basically. That's kind of what I'm saying. And I hope that that's not the case. But yeah. with the way the world appears to be moving in the next mm-hmm. 15 to 20 years, we're going to be confronting a reality like that. Okay. Yep. You know, uh, the, those, speaking, those markets, speaking, oh, wait, wait, yes. I was going to say those markets yeah. where they don't get that, that's where mobile is just going to take over. And it already kind of has. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Like, especially if you look at like third world countries, like if you think about the Philippines, I obviously mm-hmm. have a connection to the Philippines. Mobile gaming is huge there. Yep. So, yeah. Anyways, sorry, yeah, Andre, I didn't mean well, to cut off your, uh, no, <laughs> your, no, your no. beautiful transition. Yeah. Uh, speaking of world ending apocalyptic things where only a few people are left, I've been playing Donganropa 2. 
uh, that game, I think I think I like it more than the first one. It's been, I played the first one earlier this year. Um, I don't really remember the characters that much. Uh, like I remember kind of broad strokes and like the general overall what happens in the story. But um, yeah, so this is more the same kind of thing. They've added some stuff to the trial system. Like there's one where you're like on a snowboard going down a tube and you have to like, it's like, here are some questions, which, which is the answer to the question. And then if you go down the wrong one, you fall off and you have to like redo it. Um, so that's pretty neat. Uh, let's, I'm like chapter, I finished chapter three last night, which means I'm like halfway through the game, I think. And they keep killing my favorite characters. Don't oh, um, will do that. <laughs> Yeah, Isn't that I, the whole point of that series? <laughs> yeah, but it's like, like I mean, there are characters who you like who don't die. At least in the first one, there were characters who survived, and like some of them were all right. But like, you know, like I mean, the first characters they killed, like, pretty like unlikable, I think, or at least one of them was really unlikable. Uh, but yeah, there was like Monokuma is he's pretty good that stupid bear uh he's so mean he punches there's like this rabbit robot usami or monomi and she's supposed to be like all friendly and nice and then monokuma just like beats the shit out of her and abuses her and she's like i've never felt like a i've never felt a corkscrew punch like that before as she like gets catapulted away uh it's it's fucking weird um it's, it's super strange yeah are, are you uh, playing would, in are you playing in english or japanese yeah i'm playing in english uh the yeah i just i should maybe play in japanese but there's like so much weird stuff going on that I, it's just i'd rather just play in english and, and i click through this stuff pretty quick because i'm just like i want to get through this i don't want to listen to all the audio um because like some of the stuff is voice some of it isn't so um but there are some weird good jokes like the first murderer develops this crazy creole southern accent at one point and just yells out avril lavigne <laughs> just like, what uh and like paris hilton uh just like, strange things like that uh there's a lot of good personality on the characters they're very well developed uh i've been playing through i like i've been playing through with like the trials on easy because i just i want to see the story i i don't think the trials are actually that good like gameplay wise so i'm actually curious to see what the if those are like better in v3 because weren't the first two for like vita primarily yeah at uh, least uh, yeah for what it's worth they are better on v3 but they're still not perfect okay um yeah i just think they're like i don't know the, like the cursor and stuff it's like supposed to be like a gun so the cursor moves around like you've got like a sway on the gun and stuff and it's just like oh come on um that's a little silly but yeah um I'm really looking forward to seeing where this ends up and then eventually getting to V3. Uh, I'm thinking that'll be kind of the last game I play for the year. Cause I'm kind of doing like a chapter per night in V2 as I'm also like studying Japanese and stuff. Uh, and then using that to 
you know, kind of wind down. It's a good October game because it's spooky with all the killing and stuff. Yeah, bright, bright pink blood. Yeah, very neon and like weird, like silhouette stuff and like ominous like music, and then also like weird cherry music. But yeah, using that game is pretty good. As a series, it's a really, really fascinating thing. And yeah. I, I think, like you said, like one of the best parts of it is the characters, but the story never goes in a predictable way ever. No. Like, yeah. it, it is very much like, I actually have no idea who's going to be the next one to die. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of bugs me because I'm just like, I, I want to like, some of the characters, I don't even think you can like get, full, unless maybe you can do like play it again and then you can like, but because like you have like relationships that you build with the characters and if you don't build your relationship with them before they die then you're out of that like story stuff yep yeah and if let's say you need four points to make their maximum relationship whatever if you get three of them and then they die (laughs) you just wasted all that time and you're not going to get the perk at the end yep uh i think in this one it's six things yes six things that sounds Um, right and I've finished with one and then that actually happened to me last night was I built up to like the fifth level with one character and then they were the killer. Son of a, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, such a weird series, but that's okay. Yeah. I even tried to look up like a, Hey, what is like, I just want to get like, you know, how do I get the max like enjoyment out of this? How do I, but like, I didn't see any guide and like, with like a spoiler free guide of like, Hey, talk to these people. And like, I guess like you can't really do that without spoiling. Cause you know, like either they're dead or they're the killer. And like part of the fun is finding out who the killer is. One and of my first like, experiences in looking up a guide for that game was like, what gifts do people like? And it's like, well, you have dates. You can date this person or hang out with this person up until chapter two. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like I ran into that issue last night when I was looking up. There's like hidden uh, bears, hidden Monokuma bears, and you get like mono coins or whatever they're called. And it was like, oh, you find it in this person's room in this chapter. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm probably only going into their room if. And there's one that I can't get because it was in another person's room in the first chapter. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've seen some allusions to the first game. At least I, I've seen like one that I think is a reference to the first game. Uh, but yeah, I want to finish this and play V3 because you were saying some, you were saying it was really good, Alex. So it is. And the last chapter of V3 is like up until that point, it doesn't reference the previous games very much, but the last chapter very, very, very explicitly. <laughs> harkens back to one and two. How would you uh, how would you say the characters comparing that to one and two? I would say overall, three had my favorite characters, though it had one of my least favorite characters in the entire thing. So, <laughs> uh, my favorite character has been Chiaki in two, uh, who is like the ultimate gamer, uh, which uh, is very good. Like That's she's. She's yeah, really awesome, uh, though. She's she's yeah, funny. She, she just she constantly falls asleep, and uh, her the one game the one kind of game she's not good at is like dating sims. 
Yep. That's hilarious. That's a very good joke. <laughs> it's it's a whole like it's part of her uh, like storyline is like her like admitting to you that she's bad at dating Sims and like she's bad at relationships in general. Wow, that cat is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the ultimate gamer. What's who else is the ultimate gymnast who isn't actually a gymnast, which is weird. Uh, the ultimate team manager and the ultimate Yakuza. The ultimate Yakuza is a pretty silly thing. <laughs> this is like, why these, these high, high schoolers are the ultimate whatever thing. That's yeah. I don't know. It, Japanese it, people it's like a weird, schoolers. it's a weird conceit, but yeah. Um, I have an idea of what my because like, in Ropa one you are the ultimate lucky student yep and in Ropa two you there is the ultimate lucky student but you aren't them uh you are you have forgotten what you are so i i, I have a guess as to what i might what my ultimate skill might end up being but i'm probably wrong because as alex said you never know what kind of crazy course that game is going to take uh yeah i i look forward to what kind of twists and turns it takes from here on out because the first one went some wild places in the last half and there hasn't been as many like teases as to what's going on i feel like yet but i don't know one character just turned into a robot and that was yep. the end of that chapter yeah. <laughs> I remember that one uh, yeah <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's Danganronpa two, Dragon Grandpa. Huh. Uh, yeah, like I and when I went to the first game, I was like kind of disappointed at the end because I was like I wanted more like choice or like more influence on how the story played out, I guess. Um, but now that I know like that's how it plays out, I don't have a problem with that as much. I'm just like enjoying it as it goes. But I wish there were was maybe a game like this where you could have more impact on like who lives and who dies you but i feel play, like that... you should play 999 you know <laughs> maybe i will next year yeah uh before whatever their danganronpa not danganronpa game is yeah uh, that's the, where they're they're like in an underground or underwater school or something yeah i don't know what that's gonna be they stopped making danganronpa to make danganronpa <laughs> Your cat is just really desperately trying to get into whatever that is. Sam's cat, both cats now, have been opening just a cupboard in his kitchen. They just like stand up, like, oh, open on this door. You need to child proof those cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize I'd muted it. I think it was because there were cat sounds. Um, but yeah, so like. <laughs> this cat can't really get in. Oh yeah, Gus is stupid. He doesn't get. Barry is so enterprising. He can literally just be like, "Whoop!" and that's it. Like he's opened the door and gets inside. Whereas Gus will spend like forty minutes <laughs> just clawing at it. Wow. Uh, well, is there anything anyone would like to talk about? Uh, uh, we we shared our future PSN names. Sam, would you like to? Mine is Spider Man, Spider Fan twenty sixty nine. Uh, would you like to share yours? Uh, I actually don't think I'm going to change mine. 
Okay. Because mine is already Spider-Man 2069. Oh, it 35 minutes ago. Damn it. <laughs> uh, no, I was thinking about 420 Sephiroth XX because I expect it's going to come up. That's definitely no one has that username. No, I think a few people have it and variations on it, but I think it's going to become available pretty soon. I, well, I wonder if you'll be able to change to a name that like someone like left behind because yeah, like you'll be able to still have your entire games, surely. Yeah, well, you have to dis- like you have the option to display your old username on your account. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that will play into that and make it weird. We're talking about clearing out like ones that have been inactive for like 10 years or something like that. So yeah, like that, that makes sense. I should probably like wait till I have a kid and then call myself dad gone romper or something like pretty bad dad jokes. Great. Uh, I also need to correct myself. Like all the dragon quest games, except seven and nine are on Android and iOS. It's just weird how they list them in the Wikipedia pages. Yeah, seven is on 3ds. On 3ds instead, it's, it's on mobile in Japan. It's on mobile in Japan. Seven is, but it's not on any platform but 3ds here because Nintendo handled the localization, so uh, they uh, blocked the release of any other platforms but 3ds. That I played it on 3ds. It's a fucking really good game. Yeah, it's sure. it's set on this world that's like a tiny, tiny island, and like. They're like, nope, this is it. This is the island. This is the only world. Nothing else exists. And if you go for, if you go far enough in a boat, you just get back to the island, and then you find other islands. And it's all about like each island has a theme. It's really cool. Um, it's very like Dragon Quest. The RPG kind of plays out a little bit in chapters. So like you'll go from one section to another section and it will be like a new style of characters, a new world, new That's like cool. area to explore. Well, I want you to know I purchased Dragon Quest 1 because it was $3. So, uh, There's a super, super easy way to get stuck in Dragon Quest 1, so you may want to have a walkthrough handy. Cool. And like, uh, not, not just stuck, but like you have to start the game again because you missed something. Technically, this is the, the Super Famicom remake, so I don't know if... Uh, well, that's still in there because I got stuck yeah. the first time six hours in. Sweet. And had to just restart the game. Uh, I look forward to Pat's retrospective on the entire Dragon Quest series. That's not going to happen. Oh, he said that, Pat, but like, well, nope. I said it wasn't going to happen, but mm. the idea of having one on my phone that I could play for 20 minutes before bed is appealing. So, yeah, it's straight like a bedtime story. It's super fun. Oh, uh, did, did y'all did y'all talk about that Harry Potter game last week? I haven't had time to listen to the podcast. I think we made mention of it, but yeah, we didn't really dive too deep into it. I don't think it's going to come out, but you, you don't it think it's going to come out. I mean, WB did pull all that footage. Yeah, I still don't think it's going to come out. I think they still intend to release it as of now, mm-hmm. but I don't think it'll ever actually ever actually come out. Okay, so okay, which is more likely to come out, uh, Harry Potter, this this Harry Potter game, or Death Stranding? Death Stranding. Death Stranding's never coming out, so it's wow. it's it's a it's a trick question. But I think wow. they'll fund the development for Death Stranding until it comes out, which maybe never. But true. 
I think that they're going to hit a wall on that Harry Potter thing. What's more likely, this Harry Potter game or the Final Fantasy VII remake? My God. Ooh, neither of those games are going to come out, but I guess more likely is probably the Harry Potter game, I think. (laughs) Yeah, they're both vaporware. Yeah. Yeah. Starcraft Ghost or this Harry Potter game. (laughs) I guess part of the reason I'm saying this, I'm not just kidding either. Like, I think part of the reason that I'm saying this is because I find it hard to believe that, and I'm not trying to pick on them because I think Disney Infinity was a good game. But I think if nobody's been able to figure out how to put together and release a quality third person role playing game based on Harry Potter, I find it hard to believe that. Warner Brothers and Avalanche are going to be the ones to put it together. What if there was a nemesis system? <laughs> I mean, there could be that would, that could fit in the Harry Potter world, but I just Avalanche is a smart studio that does some cool stuff, but I feel like the reason it hasn't happened is because Warner Brothers knows what a huge franchise it is and they're going to kill anything that's not related to a, uh, movie that is not good, like that is not of a quality that is like fitting of the weight of the the, the franchise. Maybe. As happening. Um, well, and then that mobile game came out as trash. So you know, yeah. like maybe that's yeah. out the window. I, I guess I should say, I think that's what they're saying in their board meetings. I don't think that it's necessarily true because I think Warner brothers is a bad video game publisher. Um, so, but I think that they're going to be likely to cancel that game. Um, just because I feel like it would have happened already if it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> how, long is, how long has WB had that license? Cause EA had like all the movie games and then I think WB games didn't exist. Yeah, it didn't because they're relatively recent. I would say WB has been pretty good as a video game publisher between the Arkham games and Injustice and Mortal Kombat. I guess they do have Mortal Kombat. Uh, I feel like they, the Arkham games from a development perspective are very good, but I don't know if from a publisher's side, like Arkham Knight was a complete disaster of a port on PC, and that can That's be true. pretty clearly tracked back to Warner Brothers as the problem. Dave um, Lang's fault, actually. <laughs> well, but if you hear Dave Lang tell it, it's Warner Brothers' fault, and I think he tells a pretty compelling story as to why. And then Shadow of War, I cannot imagine that Monolith wanted that disaster of a microtransaction system in Shadow of War. I have to imagine that was a Warner that was pressure from Warner Brothers. Mm. They've also kind of the quality of, of the Lego games has kind of, it's not bad. They're not bad now, but they don't, they've, they've pushed pumping those out so much that it's kind of reduced some of the charm of those games. I don't know. I feel like Warner brothers decision-making from a publishing perspective has been pretty questionable. Uh, Fair enough. The Lego stuff is kind of like the telltale thing, except it didn't end terribly. And, and except that it's backed by a massive media. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I just mean like they, they put out like a Lego game. Like it was like Lego star Wars, the first one of those. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it was like every major, not every major probably, but like, you know, Harry Potter, star Wars, Batman. Indiana Jones, Batman, Marvel, like I mean, there's still like games. two of them coming out a year. 
There was one that came out not that long ago, a Marvel one that came out recently. I think Incredibles, Lego, some Marvel two. game. Incredibles, yeah. DC supervillains will come out this year. Three this year. Yeah. The yeah. Lego Lego Harry Potter years one to four and five to seven are also this year. No, those were no, they're looking uh, ages. They ago. might have come out on Switch the, this year. They're out on they're out on Xbox One and Switch this year. Oh, yeah, they, were, they were out on PS4 last year or the year okay. before because I've had those for a while. Okay, Fiona played that on Vita in oh, yeah. over two years ago, three years ago. And it's not Traveler's Tale's fault. Those are good games. Um, I've actually played a big chunk of Marvel superheroes recently, the one from 2016, I think, and it was fun. Um, I put like I'll, the first Marvel game I put like 24 hours into. Yeah, they're fun games. PS4 launch style. Um, but, but I guess my point is just that I don't know that I trust Warner Brothers to make the right decisions, even if I guess I shouldn't say that I don't think it'll ever come out, but I'm hesitant to think it'll come out and be good. And I don't think if that happens, it'll be Avalanche's fault. Yeah, because the things you're saying like about Warner as a publisher aren't, well, they only put out the best game, so they're not going to put out this game because they think it'll be bad. It's, no, they'll, they'll put this game out. I guess... <laughs> I think I could see a conversation, a better way to phrase that would have been, I think I could see a conversation where they say that they think they're protecting the brand, even if they're not actually good at protecting brands. Uh, and it gets canceled. Yeah. But you know what Warner Bros. game I'm looking forward to? And we can leave it here if you want. Yeah. A game called Hitman 2. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Published by Warner Bros.? Yeah. Distributed? Yeah. yeah. I had yep. no idea that that's the case. Well, I take back yep. everything I said. They're brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> IO is still independent, right? It's just yeah. Warner. They just have the, they're just publishing. Yeah. Uh, so they're throwing some extra money at that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I haven't watched any of the videos for that. I kind of want to go in blind. Uh, the Ghost Mode one's very fun. It looks really I'm good. I'm going to watch that later. It sounds. I haven't watched Ghost Mode yet. I just heard them talk about it on the Giant Beast Quest. But all of the Hitman 1, all of Hitman 1 is in Hitman 2. Yeah. You, if you own Hitman 1, right? Yeah. You have to, if you own it, then you get all the maps in Hitman 2 and it, they're like all updated. But I played it on disc. I guess I have to buy it. Well, I, I bet if you've... I bet there's something for if you own it. Like, yeah, you've got to save, so it probably will transfer in. Or could, like, they've got to have a thing for that. Like I, I will tell you on November sixteenth. Is that okay? This, I it was a December 13th, release. Thirteenth, nope. yeah, November. That I'm looking forward to that a lot. Eligible for the goatee. Did anyone oh. play the the stuff in that they rolled into Hitman? I can't remember if it was this year. The the late last year. Yeah. Uh, you guys I, played that. I played a little bit of it. I didn't finish it though. I um, still haven't like, touched I, it. I had been away from it for so long, and then coming back, I'm like, oh god, how do I play this game? And it was like very, like the areas were like very confined, and it was hard to hard to figure out. Like, okay, I don't want to just like shoot the guy or something. Like figuring out like a good way to kill him was I actually, very tricky. I played it originally on PS4, maybe. I can't remember. Maybe I played it on PC originally, but I replayed it last year. Um, the whole, all of the levels, but I didn't play that Patient Zero thing. So mm -hmm. I'm considering trying to get go back to do that before Hitman 2. Just to... they, they put Hitman out three different times on PS4. 
mm-hmm. as a complete season, a definitive edition, and a uh, like just standard. Wasn't it? Uh, okay, there wasn't like a game of the year version or something. I, there is. That's okay. I think the the, the the yeah. I was with the last. Yeah, maybe. I think that came out. That game of the year edition may have come out this year, actually. Yeah, they added a bunch of stuff in. Yeah, like, Sam's right. There was a just an on disc version last year that had all of the mm-hmm. the, the levels in it, um, but it wasn't called Game of the Year Edition. It was just, it was just Hitman the because they didn't put it out on disc until it was right. It's finished. Completed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, that's a great game. Yeah. Uh, and sucks to be Sony for missing out on it, but you know, I wonder. I wonder what business stuff happened that made yeah. Sony go, "Hey, we want to get rid of you," but also Square Enix. You mean Square Enix? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, what did I say? Sony. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Square. I was like, "Wait, is Hitman Two not coming to PS4?" <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I, I just wonder what kind of business stuff would lead to that, where like they're not like they're just like we're gonna sell the studio, and then the studio's like, "No, we got this. We're gonna strike out on our own." Like they had some confidence, and like I think it's earned. But I just, yeah, business. Yeah, no, Square Enix. Square Enix has made some weird choices the last few years. Yeah, they they expect a lot from their Western developed games, and they don't seem to get what they want. Yeah, it seems like they expect, and I don't. They seems like they expect their Western developed games to just carry whatever projects they want to work on mm-hmm. um, with their, you know, kind of more first party development teams. And it seems so weird to me. Um, I, I don't know. But then again, like Final Fantasy and, and uh, Dragon Quest make them so much money. So maybe it's just because those games are so popular, they expect the Western games to hold up to those to that standard. Um, yeah, maybe. Well, they also, also take forever to develop. So maybe they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we need some. We need you Western guys to support the other studios until we can release those." those yeah, that's the impression things. I get, and that would suck if that was the case. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah, it's very weird. Um, but is there any other last-minute things we want to chat about? No. Okay. I don't think so. Anybody played that Mario Party? Nope. No, not gonna. No. I'll buy it in a couple of weeks for uh, family visits and such. Mm. Well, I see. I, I see. Southern Dan. <laughs> Southern Sam is gonna play it. Yeah. Will, will there be multiple switches involved, or just one switch? Just just one. There's only one switch in the family. Is mine. Gotcha. But um, yeah, there's a really good offer on in the UK for Mario Kart plus two Joy Cons for eighty pounds. And two Joy-Cons are normally £70, so I'm just going to get that, because I need a second set of Joy-Cons anyway. Hmm. That's a good deal. Mario Kart's a good game. So, uh, All right. Well, that is going to do it for episode 41 of Gaming Fix. You can find me, Andre Cole, on Twitter at CoolSlaw, C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. Alex, where can people find you? Uh, if I'm walking around the streets and my phone happens to be off of silent, these are my ringtones. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay, wait. What? Are, 
which one is which like is like a text and a phone call or yeah that's text and phone uh, those are both different forms of text okay. uh, if you want my actual ringtone for a phone call it is a modem okay okay i've then turned my phone off silent it has a physical silent switch and it has always been on silent the entire time i've owned it <laughs> oh hey oh Oh, the cat almost got in. Gus is figuring it out. He's learning. <laughs> he does like knows what to do, <laughs> but he's like real bad at it. Come on, buddy, you got it. I wish oh, I should turn the video on for this. <laughs> oh no, because now he's given up. He knows he's got an audience. Uh, best boy Pat. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me. Uh, stealing Sam's identity somehow, some way, and at Jester PC. Sing him to reset his Microsoft password. <laughs> One way or another, I'm gonna dox you. I'm gonna dox you, dox you. <laughs> uh, and uh, Sam, where can people find your personal information on the internet? Uh, you can see half naked pictures of me on Instagram if you want. Uh, all my social media accounts are the same. They're all at SGCH. Um, so have fun with that. Those are also my initials. So that is kind of my personal details. Do we Great. need to upload these pictures of Sam to the Pornhub? So but they're already there. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I'm halfway to cracking Sam's identity because I know what two of the letters in his initials are. Sir yep. Stanford. I know what one all of them are. Very common name. The other one is not. Oh. oh. He's doing it. <laughs> well, that is going to do it for us on <laughs> this fine episode, laid back episode of uh, the podcast. Please leave a review on iTunes, uh, Google, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, I hope you're buying, paying for this podcast, not illegally downloading it like a criminal mm -hmm. and I hope you have a good day yeah mm -hmm. find us on such a premium yeah uh, yeah, yeah.